Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Make sure to go to TimCast.com. Click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do. And you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Dramatic confrontation between migrants and cops ends with arrests at Randall, Randall's Island Shelter. That's one way to put it. Another way to put it is NYPD was violently assaulted once again by illegal immigrants. This time, it wasn't just a handful. It was a mob of illegal immigrants in a shelter attacking them. And they call it a dramatic confrontation. You know, look, I have very little sympathy for the NYPD and for New York governance. The police officers there are crooked as they come, complacent, and they deserve everything that happens to their city. And uh, I don't think they care. I really don't. I mean, you get that video from Michael Rapaport, which is really fascinating. You know, he's this comedian who does not like Donald Trump. But now he's like, yo, you got illegal immigrants attacking cops in New York City and all that stuff. And I'm like, uh huh. Let me tell you, my friends, when Bill de Blasio illegally seized taxpayer funds to paint a political slogan on the street in front of Trump's building, the NYPD, some 26 or 27 officers with smiles on their faces, said we're going to enforce the seizure of assets, the waste of taxpayer funds, because no one no one cares. So I see this. I'm like, yo, if you choose to live in New York City and facilitate this as a cop, I have zero sympathy for you. So what's happening now? And it's not this is the this is the one story to kick things off because things are getting wild. Democrats and Republicans, it's a bill by a Republican, I'm pretty sure, want to give illegal immigrants the opportunity to join the military with a new bill called the Courage to Serve Act. It's on the table. And you have uh, Texas building a base to house 1,800 National Guard to help secure this border in Texas. I mean, in, in, in this particular area, it's just getting absolutely crazy out there. I don't even I don't even know what to expect at this point. But, you know, I'll say this. I think the bill, I think everything they're doing is is good. Let it happen. I think what people in New York are doing good. Let it happen. And now we got Bill Maher celebrating that Democrats are moving right on the issue. And I'm like, well, they're lying manipulating the issue to steal votes. But now they've pushed the sentiment towards we have to secure the border. Look, I'll tell you this. I think we're winning in a lot of ways. I think when you look at the collapse of Disney, 
I don't know if they go out of business, but they certainly lost over a billion dollars in their garbage movies. And they're going to make a whole lot more garbage movies and probably lose a whole lot more money. I say good. Good riddance. There are a lot of cultural areas where we're winning. And I think most the most important thing is those that believe in American values and, you know, the founding documents, the founding fathers, all that stuff, they have more kids, they have more kids. So you know what? The night is always darkest before the dawn. And I don't know that we have a guaranteed victory, but it certainly seems like we are on the path uh, towards victory. And it is largely due to the ineptitudes and failures of the Democrats and uh, of their of the leftists. But I do want to tell you something as it pertains to to this video, which I'm going to play. LLNYC posted this video. Migrants attack NYPD cops making arrests at New York City's Randall Island migrant shelter. I mean, You've actually got a video right now of cops being attacked once again by illegal immigrants. I hope that riles people up. But let me tell you what's going to happen. They're bringing in millions of illegal immigrants. You all know this. Let me tell you a story. For those that are new to the game, maybe you saw Michael Rapoport. Maybe you followed Michael Rapoport because you don't like Donald Trump. But now he's talking sense. And you decide to take a look into what he's talking about. In 2017, I went to Sweden. Seven years ago. It's kind of wild, isn't it? Because there were numerous reports from people on the right that crime was getting out of hand. The people of Sweden were asking what's going on. Well, many people said it was, a, it was migrants causing the issue. There were concerns that refugees from the Middle East were coming in and it was causing very serious problems. So uh, I decided after, after Donald Trump went on stage and said, did you see what happened last night in Sweden? You know, I, I said, OK, yeah, let's see what's going on. Why? Well, the media attacked Donald Trump. They said uh, nothing happened last night in Sweden. What are you talking about? Trump, of course, was, of course, referring to a short doc, a mini doc on Fox News about crime in Sweden. So I said, OK, I'll, I'll go to Sweden. I'll check it out. And here's what I learned. There was crime from refugees from the Middle East, particularly in, in uh, the most specific case was young boys from Afghanistan would rape Swedish boys because it's a, it's a practice they have, I guess. I but I had police officers confirm this to me. It's increased dramatically, uh, something we've never seen before. And no one is really talking about it because it paints refugees in a negative light. The majority of crime that were be- was being witnessed was not caused by young Afghani boys raping other boys, but it's a horrifying, atrocious crime. They would go to pools, public pools, and gang up on some kid and they would they'd gang rape him. It's a practice they have in Afghanistan, I guess. Uh, I actually had police confronted to me. It's crazy, right? Sounds nuts. But as much as that is happening, it's atrocious and it's bad. It wasn't like it was thousands. I think the total amount of cases over, over a couple of years was like 100 and something, which is kind of terrifying. But the real issue, crime, murder, gang shootings, death, that actually came from the children of Somali migrants for the most part. These children were born in Sweden. They were Swedish citizens. I don't think that they were Swedish citizens by birth. I don't know that Sweden does that, but they were Swedish citizens. Here's the issue. When Sweden brought in waves of refugees, they did not have them assimilate and integrate into Swedish society, creating enclaves where these people would attack police because those police are outsiders. If let's just say you move to China and you're with, I don't know, 2000 white North Americans who live in an area outside a city or in a city in an area of the city. Everyone there speaks English, not Chinese. Everyone there is white. Everyone there believes in the Constitution. You have kids raised there. You would not view 
the Chinese government as part of your culture. Americans wouldn't do that. And so what happens is these kids grew up and when the police would come in, they'd say, you are outsiders. They would reject the police attempts at rule of law, throwing stones and fighting with cops. What do we have here now? We have this video where you actually have migrants. I don't, I don't know. We need to play the audio. You can probably hear it a little bit. Trying to arrest somebody who's resisting arrest, fighting back, and the migrants be, actually begin attacking the cops. So let me, this, this lady, let me see if I can, uh, well, it's a long video. You can watch the full video. For the most part, it's like they throw stuff at them. And I think that's the, the, the general uh, gist of it, right? The fascinating thing about this is that it's an assault on an officer, which I mean, you're going to get very serious charges, not with these migrants. What I saw with this video, I'm like, this is exactly what I saw in Sweden. The only issue is that Sweden seemed to understand the, the severity of the problem. There's a city in Sweden. It's called Södertalia. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. It's been seven years, but let me, uh, let me see if I can pull that up. Södertalia, a city in, uh, uh, let's see, it's just south of Stockholm, right? Here we go. Södertalia. I'm pronouncing that way wrong, probably. Södertalia? I don't know. I don't speak Swedish. And uh, beautiful, beautiful city. I wonder if they actually have the uh, story in here. Because at some point, not that long ago, refugees, the children of refugees, in a vehicle with a fully automatic rifle unloaded on, I think it might have been um, a government building. It's been a long time. Because they don't view themselves as part of your society. Now, I want you to understand this as we move into the next story, because this is where it gets important. Bipartisan Congress duo unveil bill providing expedited citizenship for immigrants who enroll in the military. We said it was coming. This was the game plan all along. A lot of people pointed out conservatives. Why is it that the illegal immigrants entering the country tend to be military age males? They're not families. It's not... Uh, a dad with his kids, it's human traffickers with smuggling victims. Well, it was speculated by many people that the reason was the U.S. government would try to use them to bolster their failing recruitment numbers. Send them off to Ukraine. Seems like this will be the case. When the U.S. formally enters the war in Ukraine to go to war with Russia, which seems increasingly likely, they will need fresh cannon fodder. Well, now they have it. Service guarantees citizenship, as it were. Now, in the concept that we often bring up in terms of the service guaranteeing citizenship, we're talking about people who are born and raised in this country, civilians, who decide they want to participate in civic duty, so they enlist in some kind of public service. That grants them and affords them the right to vote. I like the idea. It's from Starship Troopers, not from Starship Troopers, but it's noted uh, uh, for its uh, depiction in Starship Troopers. Now what's happening is people who are not citizens of this country at all are illegally entering the country, bypassing all our laws, violating our laws. And then uniparty establishment shills. You've got John James and Pat Ryan introduce the Courage to Serve Act on Friday, which provides an expedited path to citizenship for qualified and vetted migrants who serve in the military. Really? John James... That is surprising to me. You know, I suppose I, sh I wouldn't be, uh, I shouldn't say I'm surprised, to be completely honest, but it is surprising. But here we go. 
Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. The legislation addresses two challenges facing the United States, an influx of migrants looking to work, build a better life for their families and contribute to our country, as well as a recruitment crisis within the ranks of our armed forces, according to a release first shared with the Washington Examiner. Ryan said in a statement on the Courage to Serve Act that he and James know firsthand that there's no higher honor than serving your country in uniform. How shockingly offensive. This is not their country. These are people who marched to the United States flying the flag of other nations. It seems like this is the plan. If folks have the courage to raise their right hand, swear an oath to protect and defend this nation and put their lives on the line, then they sure as hell deserve the opportunity to become an American citizen, Ryan said. Ryan is one of a few, a select few House Democrats who has repeatedly attempted to work across the aisle with Republicans to solve the border crisis. The New York Democrat considered one of the most vulnerable party members in this election cycle has supported multiple bipartisan actions this year frequently joining his home state Republicans in calling the immigrant surge in New York untenable. The Courage to Serve Act is the latest piece of legislation that Ryan has either led or joined with Republicans to sponsor. He pushed to combat the flow of fentanyl into the nation by being the lead Democratic co-sponsor for Stop Chinese Fentanyl Act, a piece of pending border legislation which passed the House in July and is pending in the Senate. James and Ryan's bill comes after a tumultuous week in Washington in which Senate Republicans struck down $118 billion, blah, 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 blah. We get it. We get it. We know. Oh, boy. So where do we go from here? Here's my vision of the future based on everything we're seeing. There's one of two futures. And I don't know which one's uh, um, going to happen, but I think it's slightly more likely that the right is winning and wins. The breakdown of the narrative machine, the failures of the uh, I'll give you some I'll give you some scenarios, though, but the failures of the corporate press, their, their collapse means that more and more America first and populist types, their message is spreading. Trump is winning in the polls. And if Trump wins, could put an end to this. But let me tell you my vision of the future. And, and we'll, we'll work backwards a little bit. We'll start with this. Where does this country go if we allow non-citizens into the country to break the laws, completely disregard them? It is facilitated by the government itself. They are then offered to join the military to become citizens. The end result of a, let's just call it an international haven for anyone. They are quite literally creating, first, they're dissolving the core of the United States by bringing in wave after wave of non-citizens to the tune of millions, you will dilute cultural identity, traditional identity and American values. That is not an an attack on any individual. It is a statement of fact based on simple math pertaining to uh, ideologies, countries, research and data. It's fairly obvious. If you have 10 people who believe 
you should be, uh, you should not be allowed to eat meat on Fridays, then none of them are going to eat meat on Fridays. You bring in three people who want to eat meat on Fridays, they're going to have a hard time finding meat. Eventually, someone decides, well, we want to eat meat on Fridays, so we're going to open a restaurant that serves meat on Fridays. And it provides a service to those other people who do. And the people who don't eat, the, the devout Catholics or whatever religious don't eat meat on Friday say, well, we won't go there. However, more and more people start coming in. Eventually, there's 20 people who don't mind eating meat on Fridays. And now society is dominated by restaurants all over the place that serve meat on Fridays. That's quite literally where we are right now. It used to be taboo. Deeply religious folks would not eat meat on Fridays. But of course, that's not been for a very, very, very long time that society was dominated by people who would avoid doing this, but they used to. And now here we are. I mean, maybe an extreme example, but certainly now there are people who work on Sundays. There are businesses that are open 24 hours because we have this um, Neapolitan society emerging. So what happens? Well, traditions and, and ideologies of this country will be dissolved, will be diluted. People will argue the founding fathers, who cares? That's not relevant to me. I'm not even from here. And they are creating an international global country. It's not even fair to call it a country. Imagine this. Anyone can come and go as they please. Anyone can work as they please. But if you want to vote in the system, you have to serve the system. They are quite literally creating a service guarantee citizenship in a sort of inverse way. What most of us want when we talk about this is we, we want a nation where everyone, if they want to vote, they, they actually are committed to the country. I like the idea to simply start with, you must register for the selective service for the draft if you want to vote. If you don't want to, if you don't want to do that, then you don't get to vote. You can go one step further and say, even if you're born in this country, you cannot vote in this country unless you qualify in certain ways. Democrats are pushing this in the opposite direction. I don't believe we actually create a service guaranteed citizenship country because Democrats are advocating for non-citizens to have the right to vote. So what happens? The United States will become a nationless landmass, lawless. And it is the beginning of an attempt, in my opinion, or at least whether it's an attempt or not, the dominoes falling over, which will create one world governance and global control, likely under a despotic militaristic regime. All of it sitting right in front of you, staring you in the eyes. Let's break down what we're looking at. The U.S. border has fallen. There is no attempt to secure it except from the state level. And that's only one state out of four border states. Donald Trump is fighting. Maybe he wins. But let's imagine the Democrat neocon path forward persists. Donald Trump loses the populists to lose. The border falls. Anyone from anywhere in the world can come here with no questions and no issue. Upon arrival, you are given free money and a place to live. That's what they're doing now. You don't care about this country. You have no allegiance. There is a militaristic force. You can join and serve, serve the empire. They'll send you overseas to take oil or energy and depose and remove anyone who opposes this order. Think about it this way. A neg uh, we'll call it a null space country. When you look at a map, you see on the planet all these different nations and all their borders. The way the U.S. is functioning right now, it may as well just be a null space on that map. There is no country here. The borders are completely open. The laws are being disregarded. The The chief uh, political officer of this country is trying to arrest and jail, imprison his political rival. The system is broken. I mean, it's on its, it's, it's on its last thread. If Donald Trump can win, if we can defeat the, the new shadow campaign, perhaps we can turn this thing around. 
as a possibility. But considering that we are seeing people on the right having substantially more kids than those on the left, it's no surprise they are flooding this country with non-citizens to destroy and dilute this nation. Eventually, there won't be borders. I mean, there, there already aren't as far as any, any of us can tell. States like California want them to come in. The federal government flies them on private jets, gives them cash and places to live. They're being given full luxury hotels paid for by your labor. So what happens in the future? Okay, you have, a, you have this landmass where anyone can go. There are laws to a certain degree, but they're not enforced. I mean, look, come on, let's, be, let's be real. Migrants attack cops and what happens? They get released right away. They got released again. Migrants just attacked cops in New York City. I ain't do nothing about it. One guy was getting arrested. They attack the cops. The cops do nothing. The laws will not be enforced. It will be a wild, wild west. But this will, in, in essence, untether. It's going to create something really interesting. The military industrial complex of the United States. The invasive force, the military force of NATO. Won't be tethered to any nation or accountability anymore. They will seemingly have an endless supply of people who want free wealth. They will come to this country and say, I'll, I don't care. I'll do whatever you say. And the military industrial complex and the, the, the military machine of the United States will start bringing in people who are not Americans to serve its machine. What does that mean? The U.S. military is becoming untethered from the country and its laws. It is trying to bring in non-citizens and become an international military force with no accountability. When you have tens of thousands of non-citizens in that military, it is an international military force. It is outright where no individual has allegiance to any country. They have allegiance only to the machine itself. So we're looking at the start of global domination. Why do you think it is they're trying to push Americans out of the military? The military will become untethered from American values and you will have non-citizens people who speak different languages with no allegiance to each other, no allegiance to a constitution. There will be no real country. They'll say they pledge allegiance to this country, but the country is going to be an amalgam of various people from all over the world who don't care for each other at all. There's no cohesive legislation, no cohesive laws, no shared cultural identity. And then you will have a military apparatus, the most powerful the world has ever seen, and it will be an international body. And then you have the makings of one world governance, a global police force, I imagine, you know, you could see it like in 20 or 30 years, a law gets passed saying the U.S. military forces should be overseen by an intergovernmental panel because they're too powerful. After the war with Russia leads to devastation, then you'll get some kind of international consort saying it's time for a new world order, a world order in which the military of the United States is not the supreme body that can impose its will, but will be overseen by an international body such as the United Nations, who can determine when and where military should be deployed and dispatched for the purpose of securing our planet. I don't know. I'm not saying it happens. I'm saying the path is right there in front of us. There's another path. That, that path is that Donald Trump wins. The shadow campaign round two is defeated and Trump begins mass deportation of all these individuals. Entirely possible. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. 
Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Here's another scenario for you. Donald Trump wins and he wins because powerful elites want him to. Problem, reaction, solution. They want Trump to win. They want Trump to try and mass deport. They want photos and videos of people being loaded onto buses and trains. And they'll come out and they'll go, we said never again, but it's happening. They'll call Trump Hitler. This will lead to call it whatever you want, internal conflict in the United States, international conflict, whatever ends up happening, Trump ends up losing and is removed because he's only going to be president for four years. And that will be the pretext. They will say the atrocities that we've seen under Donald Trump can never happen again. That's why a new body will be formed. Now, I don't know what happens. Some people say optimism bias, normalcy bias. I don't know. But if Donald Trump does engage in a mass deportation campaign, and, do- and videos emerge showing people loaded on the trains and buses. They're going to show mothers being taken from their children. There will be people weeping in the streets. There will be reports of people dying in these quote unquote concentration camps. They've already primed everyone for this. AOC called the border camps created by Barack Obama concentration camps over and over and over again. That's the narrative they will run with. And when Donald Trump leaves office or loses power or civil war or something happens, the, the crisis will lead to an opportunity for either side for dramatic and massive change. In the event the right loses, the Democrats will expand. They will destroy the borders. They will bring in non-citizens and they will say this can never happen again. The international community will blame Donald Trump. I say international community, but Western forces, NATO, etc. will say, you see what happens when despots and dictators, blah, blah, blah. There could be world war, but the aftermath, like we saw after World War II, will lead to something like the creation of the liberal economic order. Problem, reaction, solution. Perhaps that's what happens. I don't know for sure. It's all fairly grandiose. Perhaps normalcy bias is the correct approach. Everything will simmer down. Things will just increment forward. But either way, whether there's going to be a mass crisis, conflict, war, or otherwise, we are incrementing in the direction as I've described it. They are trying to get non-citizens to join the U.S. military. What happens when you have people with no allegiance to any country who form this, what would essentially be an international military force? Sure, it could operate under the United States, but come on, what does that really mean? The people fighting in it don't have any American values at all. We can't allow that. But I suppose we'll see. I'm going to leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all then.
Jon Stewart is back, ladies and gentlemen. You may have seen the viral show he did, his first show back, where he rags on Joe Biden for being too old. And it was really well done. I will admit that I was wrong, mostly wrong. You see, Jon Stewart's Apple show and the stuff he'd been doing in between was questionable. He had one on white privilege, he got, he got roasted for it. It seemed like John was just trying to pander to the machine and was not his usual self. Now, he's far from perfect. And in his latest segment, addressing the backlash, it's actually really funny. I don't think it's uh, completely correct. And there are some points where it's just kind of frustrating. He brings up how like Keith Olbermann and, and several other people say what he's doing is dangerous for democracy. And he mocks. I, I absolutely love this. The left, the Democrats, the Biden supporters, calling them just people espousing propaganda that he should fall in line with. And then he goes on to mock Tucker Carlson over his Vladimir Putin interview, which seems so forced. Now, there's a few jokes in there. I find it really well delivered and funny. And I think Jon Stewart actually does a pretty good job. The only problem is, look, there are things to criticize Tucker Carlson about when it comes to what he's doing in Russia. I think that's totally fair. But it's kind of wild that Jon Stewart takes a propagandistic approach, claiming that Tucker Carlson is a liar who is manipulating you and it's propaganda, when at the same time, Jon Stewart does literally the exact same thing to the point where he makes a, he makes a point about what Vladimir Putin said about the city of Danzig and Dansk and Hitler's demand that it be returned to, to the Third Reich. And uh, he mocks Tucker Carlson for agreeing with the idea that Hitler wanted Donsk returned to Germany, which is in the Holocaust encyclopedia. So I see this show. I see Jon Stewart mock Tucker Carlson. And I'll laugh. Like, the jokes are funny. Like, by all means, you know, it's, it's really weird, whatever side it is we are on. Because I feel like, you know, we, we are the faction that entertains opposing ideas. We are the side that will laugh at offensive humor. So we had, uh, we had David Lucas on Timcast IRL last night, and that dude is one of the funniest guys I've ever met. Shout out to David Lucas. That guy's absolutely hilarious. He had this uh, comedy bit, and someone in the crowd started heckling him. And so he, made, uh, he, he mentioned George Floyd. He told the heckler, you're the reason there are people who don't care that George Floyd got his neck knelt on, or something like that. And then he got groans and then he just went further and further. I'm not going to I don't want to say his joke. You should look it up. It's a great bit. And he's actually he increased the bit. He's writing it out. He's, he's a funny guy. Then I got offended, started walking out. I'm like, dude, if I went to a comedy show and I saw a comedian make a joke about Tucker Carlson, like like, like right here with the Daily Show, it's a really great example. I still think Jon Stewart's funny. I thought I, I, I'm still really impressed with his return. I really am. And I'm going to push back. I'm going to show you a, a bit of a segment and I'm going to push back a little bit. The Democrats are saying he's dangerous for democracy. I'm like, I think he did a pretty good job. He criticized Trump. I think he missed some of the context about the criminal trials. That's fine. I think it's fine. You're allowed to make jokes. You're allowed to make jokes that we don't like or don't think are funny. So I'm watching the segment. And when he's insulting the Democrats, I am laughing. Because he's making points that resonate with me. Yes, it's propaganda. It's garbage. When he moves to criticize Tucker Carlson, I'm like, Tucker Carlson, he's, he's far from perfect. And he did some things that were bad. And then I think John Stewart gets some of his context wrong. I disagree with it. But 
I'm, I'll still watch it. I'm not going to insult Jon Stewart and say he's dangerous for our democracy or anything. I'm going to say his criticism of Tucker Carlson being propaganda is a reflection of exactly what he is and what he does. But I can laugh at jokes. He calls Tucker Carlson the king of propaganda and the third or whatever does an accent. I'm like, it's great performance. It's delivery. We have to recognize not everybody's going to agree on everything. And what the left is saying is that Jon Stewart's doing a both sidesism right now. And I'm just like, okay, well, we're the enlightened centrists, so I guess we are fine with it. I'll do this. I will watch The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. I will laugh at the Democrats whinging over it. But here's the best part. Conservatives praised Jon Stewart. Oh, it's so wild, dude. Jon Stewart comes back. He says, Donald Trump is old. He's as old as Joe Biden. And Joe Biden can't do his job. And Donald Trump is in, is in criminal trials and court and everything. And I see all these conservatives being like, got to hand it to him. It was a great segment. And I'm just like, the Democrats are screaming, crying, banging on the walls. And conservatives are like, well, you know, I don't agree with the Trump stuff, but it was pretty funny. That's where we are. Welcome back, Jon Stewart. You're right wing. Look, I made a video where I pushed back on some of the things Tucker Carlson did. I made a video where uh, uh, in that same video, I agreed with the purpose of what Tucker Carlson is doing. And I think Tucker Carlson, he's a big boy. He's not going to be like, how dare Tim say this, that or otherwise. He's going to be like, I see what you're saying. And we're going to move on because we're adults. Let's jump into the news. I love this. Jon Stewart reacts to Daily Show backlash. I have sinned against you. Uh, <laughs> I think John did a great job. He says, nope, John Stewart isn't walking back his criticism of President Joe Biden last week during his Daily Show return. If anything, he kind of doubled down, doubled down. I got to hand it to him. I get that he's going to be critical, uh, critical of Tucker Carlson. Those guys don't get along. But he, he associates the Democrats with exactly his criticism of Tucker Carlson. This is what I'm saying. I'm going to be like, I don't agree with what, what you're saying about Tucker Carlson. I think Tucker did a good job with the Putin interview. I did. I think he, he could have done more. I think in the end, when he pushed back on Putin about uh, Evan, I can't, I can never pronounce his last name. The Wall Street Journal reporter who is being held in Russia says, come on, he's not a spy, he's some kid. He's, not, he's a journalist. And Putin's like, no, Tucker tried to get a journalist released. Absolutely insane. That should be the lead. John Stewart should say, he can make his jokes about propaganda, show Tucker Carlson and then say, and, you know, I'm going to make fun of the guy because of some of the things he said. But with all due respect, he did try to get a journalist released. Hey, we can respect that. He tried to get a journalist released from Russia. They say Stewart opened his second show back on Comedy Central by diving right into the backlash to his first uh, uh, to his first. Stewart had generated plenty of headlines and big ratings in an episode where he mocked Biden for his apparent age related cognitive issues. Some progressives have slammed the segment, accusing Stewart of inadvertently helping Biden's presumed election rival, Donald Trump. Here's the best part. Stewart doesn't even get into insulting Donald Trump in the beginning segments of this when he goes into Tucker Carlson. He does mention stuff about Trump, of course. Let me do this. I don't want to play the full thing. I want to play just a little bit for you. Uh, I want to show you Jon Stewart's reaction to, uh, to <laughs> the Democrats. Welcome to the Daily Show. I'm your host, Jon Stewart, captain of this dying medium. Why would you even say that to me? What a gentleman tell me tonight. Come on. But I don't mind because, quite frankly, the response to the first show last Monday was universally glowing. 
John Stewart is facing massive backlash from Democrats over his comments about Joe Biden. Oberman tweeted, well, after nine years away, there's nothing else to say to the both sidest fraud John Stewart bashing Biden except please make it another nine years. Christy Jackson tweeted, sorry, but I won't be watching you either. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Okay. Maybe not universal. Well, that was on Twitter. Everything on Twitter gets a backlash. I've seen Twitter tell Labradoodles to go f*** themselves. <laughs> Labradoodles. <laughs> I just think it's better to deal head-on right. with what's an apparent issue to people. I mean, we're just, we're just talking here. And Mary Trump tweeting, not only is Stewart's both sides are the same rhetoric not funny, it's a potential disaster for democracy. It's one f***ing It was just one <laughs> Welcome to the club, John Stewart. It's fascinating. You know, I wonder if the reason they've started the Trump cult line is because many of us have been calling wokeness a cult. They have a flag for their ideology. I know Trump supporters have flags and I know there's silliness around it. But the greater faction of people who are looking to support Donald Trump are critical of him to a great degree. And there are post liberals who are like, oh, I guess I got to vote for Trump. There are libertarians who are like, oh, I got to vote for Trump. And certainly we sit here and have conversations on Timcast IRL where we're critical of Donald Trump. It's just I, foreign policy is a better option economically. I mean, what more can we say? Immigration. Americans are losing it over the immigration crisis and Trump's the only guy. And yes, he's very old. That's why we would like to Vivek Ramaswamy. Here we go, John. Let's see what you got to say. But I guess as the famous saying goes, democracy dies in discussion. <laughs> And there it is right there. John Stewart, thank you so much. I will admit, I didn't expect him to come back and actually have some important message. I thought he was going to play the woke gang. I thought this is, you know, I, I thought it was going to be bad. But you know what? It's far from perfect. But this is really important. Democracy dies in discussion is what John Stewart just said, exemplifying how we here at Timcast, we struggle to get progressives and leftists to actually come on the show. You know why? Because their ideas are bad. Their ideas are bad, predicated upon fake news, and we can prove it's all fake news using the New York Times, CNN, the Wall Street Journal. And they don't want to enter that arena. I'll give you an example right now. Donald Trump being indicted and persecuted and prosecuted. And I will not name the liberal accounts, but you know who they are, many of them, who are saying, Donald Trump, this proves it. Stephen Colbert. Look at this guy. Everybody knows that Trump did it. And then. In seemingly the same breath, they come out and go, Navalny, Putin's opposition, was falsely accused and died in prison. And I'm like, I am a government skeptic. I do not care if you are Putin or Joe Biden when it comes to whether or not you are a government actor who will lie for your own benefit. Now, I've said this before. If it came down to choosing sides, I choose America all day, every day. Why? Well, I love this country. It's the best country on the planet. It's just got some crackpot in the White House and bad people in intelligence agencies. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So in the meantime, if I had to choose between the deep state who's currently in charge and Putin, I'm choosing the deep state 10 times out of 10, baby. 
And not that I like them, but I certainly don't think Putin wants to do anything good for me. But I'll tell you this. The deep state doesn't want Trump to win. I think Trump's the better option. Vladimir Putin might want Trump to win because Trump cares more about this country. Don't I guess. But you think I'm going to believe that Navalny did anything wrong? No, they killed him in prison because he was in opposition to Putin. You think I'm going to believe that Donald Trump did these things? When Kevin O'Leary comes out and says, Trump did nothing wrong in this fraud trial. I'm like, yes. Now look at all the other trials. They're all the same. So I view what the deep state is doing to Trump is no different to what Putin did to Navalny. But Colbert is going to be like, Navalny was unjust. It was, he, was, he died. It's horrible. Putin's evil. But everything they're, doing to, everything they're doing to Trump, oh, that's good and just is because people are stupid. Now, the reason why I say it's out of the deep state every time is because we live in the same country. At the very least, neither of us wants to be nuked. And so I can at least count on that. If I had to choose between Putin and Biden, I choose Biden. Why? Well, because Biden lives in this country. He wants to benefit from this country as much as anybody else in this country. Putin does not, which means even though I don't like Joe Biden, I think he's a bad guy doing bad things. He's still trying to spend U.S. dollars. So it's kind of like ugh, the lesser of two evils, I guess. But given the option, I'll vote for Donald Trump at the end of the year. And I actually think for the first time in my life, I see someone who is not the lesser of two evils. I think Trump is a general net positive. Far from perfect. A lot of bad stuff in his record. Bombing Syria, drone strikes, commando raids, a lot of bad stuff. Better than anybody I've seen in a general net positive. But let's play more. Let's play more. But look, I have sinned against you. I'm sorry. It was never my intention to say out loud what I saw with my eyes and then brain. Bravo, sir. I can do better. I can have learning. I can have it. But I Here's the sad part. He's serious what he's saying right now. I can learn. I can figure out how to pander to you. I don't even know where to start with that. Where do I go to study the particulars of unquestioning propaganda? I would need mentorship. We're in Moscow tonight. We're here to interview the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. Saints be praised. <laughs> For Professor Tucker Aloysius Mayflower, Kenny Bumped Port, Batgammon Carlson III <laughs> has arrived. <laughs> Professor! Tell me, what is step one in delivering world-class fealty to power? Here's why we're doing it. First, because it's our job. We're in journalism. Lie about what your job is. Now, here's the best part. The paradox of Jon Stewart. Lie about what your job is. Now, Jon Stewart and many of the people who have tried to follow in his footsteps, though, he's much better at it. And I think better morally and talent-wise. Look, if you're going to accuse Tucker Carlson of being propaganda because you don't agree with his worldview or you think he's lying, the same is said exactly about you. Now, Jon Stewart would argue that, oh, it's a comedy show. It's not meant to be, you know, legitimate, straightforward news. But come on, that's that's a lie. Now, maybe maybe I can ask John personally. Tell me why. Tell me what you do. Explain what it is you do. And then what I can do is I can take notes and say, here are instances where you've provided incorrect context or false statements under the pretext they are a truth for which you included a punchline. That is to say, if you're doing political comedy and you say something like X is true, 
like telling Labradoodles to go F off. The joke and the punchline is that, yes, Twitter is a nasty place. And people have told Labradoodles to F off. I mean, probably. The point here is the punchline is predicated upon the statement you've made earlier as being true. So if I were to say something like, and we all saw the video where Joe Biden was, you know, kicking that puppy, kicking a puppy, he may as well be on Twitter, right? Not intending to make an actual joke or be funny. I'm giving an example, right? I'm not, an, I'm not a comedian. My point is, John Stewart does this trick where the average person assumes what's being said is factual. Then he makes a joke, reinforcing something that is false. If John Stewart wants to argue it's just a comedy show, not meant to be taken seriously. And the problem is, sir, people take you seriously and they think you are telling the truth, but making jokes about it. I make jokes periodically when I do segments, but it's like it's, it's light. I'll, I'll make a comment. I'll say something. And the assumption is whatever I'm saying that's off the cuff as a, as a bit of humor is mocking a situation that we expect to be true. So I try my best to be factual. Let's play more. We're in journalism. Our duty is to inform people. Lie about what your duty is. So he says twice. Tucker's statement that it's our job to do journalism and it's our job to inform people are lying twice. But hold on. How is it not journalism? And why call him a liar? I mean, by all means, you can mock him. He's making a joke. Lie about what your job is. But the joke is predicated upon the assumption that everyone assumes Tucker is lying to people. Americans have a right to know all they can about a war they're implicated in. Freedom of speech is our birthright. We were born with the right to say what we believe. Oh, shit. <laughs> Kudos, sensei. That was deep. I have much to learn. Disguise your deception and capitulation what deception? to power. What deception? What capitulation? What is he talking about? noble and moral. <laughs> And based in freedom. Yes, master. Now, I'll stress this point again. I like the segment. I think his jokes about Tucker, Aloysius, Mayflower III, funny. He actually makes a bunch of really good jokes. My point is simply this. You want to rag on Democrats? Democrats are super pissed off at you. Tucker and people on the right are the people who are going to agree with your right to do these things while those people attack you. Why insult and lie about Tucker Carlson? Everybody knows Joe Biden's brain doesn't work. Everybody knows Tucker Carlson is biased and has a political perspective, and he is allowed to. You don't got to call him a liar. You can call him wrong. That's fine. Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, as a student, when you're sitting there interviewing Putin and you don't plan to challenge his utter bullshit, but you don't want to really be that obvious, what do you do with your face? <laughs> oh, I see. Uh... <laughs> Okay, so it's not really a straight face uh, as much as you try to convey a mixture of what appears to be shame, arousal, and I'm going to say irregularity. <laughs> I, I, I got to give it to him. Come on. Everybody's made fun of Tucker face. Freedom Tunes has a bit where Tucker's face gets increasingly bent. <laughs> At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. 
all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm fine with humor, man. I'm fine with you making fun of him, right? Just don't, like my, my criticism about John a moment ago is the, the assumption that we are here to tell you the truth and make fun of these people who are liars and they are liars. And I'm like, y'all did the same thing. You got your perspective. He's got his perspective. You're allowed to have your perspective. For instance, uh, like you're constipated while jerking off to a Sears catalog. Thanks for that, John. This next bit is what really gets me. Been there, haven't you? The guy up there is like, well, the lingerie ads were. This is where for me, it gets a little dry. I'm not going to. I'm not going to freak out and say it's dangerous to our democracy or whatever. I'm going to say it's the same as any other show with a political perspective. And he's allowed to have it. But it gets a little dry. Obviously, Tucker's strategy is going to work when there's some ambiguity in what Putin says. But what if Putin starts saying shit like World War II was Poland's fault because they forced Hitler to invade them? I mean, what do you do with something like that? That's going to be hard. After World War I, this territory was transferred to Poland, and instead of Danzig, a city of Dansk emerged. Hitler asked them to give it amicably, but they refused. Of course. <laughs> of course! I don't understand. It's so hard to do when your face says, what the f***? And your mouth says, of course, it's just a... <laughs> so hard to hold, how do you, all right, how do you do that? By the way, Poland started World War II? Why would a country whose navy has submarines with screen doors want to instigate a war? All right, let's pause for a quick second. We got so much to break down in this segment. Uh, and I'm going to stress it again. I really do like... Uh, I, I, John Stewart's like his first one was good. Critic, critical of Trump. I think he gets factual errors, but it's a funny show. I think it's important that we we are critical and we fact check. But it is laughable how the Democrats are freaking out, saying they're never going to watch him again. I'm going to watch him every time and I will fact check him and we'll ha- and we'll have fun. Look, I think Kyle Kalinske is a good dude and we completely disagree on, on certain issues of facts. I think breaking points. Crystal Ball, she's fantastic. We disagree. That's the point. So let me come here and uh, ask you this question, John Stewart. What was said was Vladimir Putin said after World War One, instead of Danzig, emerged this Polish city of Dansk. Germany, Hitler wanted it back. They said no war. But that's true. Tucker Carlson says, of course. But that's that's what happened. I mean, so I decided, like, oh, let me let me make sure I have this correct. I, 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 I'm not a historian or anything, but I know about Hitler's you know, a, a catalyst for World War II, um, among a lot of things, the Treaty of Versailles, Hitler wanted German lands restored, and he wanted areas with predominantly German, German people in other countries seized. And this is one of those stories. Following World War I, the Treaty of Versailles declared Danzig to be a free city administered by Poland and the League of Nations. Germany resented the loss of this largely German city. Hitler was determined to overturn the military and territorial provisions <clears throat> of the Versailles Treaty. After invading Poland in September 1939, Nazi Germany annexed Danzig. And so we have this. This is from a museum, 1939.pl. The war began in Dansk. The the, the role of Dansk in the origins, beginning of the course, second beginning and uh, course, 
the main cause of the Second World War. It's a tinderbox of Polish-German relations. Hitler's demand that Donst be incorporated into the Third Reich launched the largest, bloodiest armed conflict in history. Whether or not Putin literally said, I don't remember exactly what he said, that it's Poland's fault. I don't know if he said it's their fault or whatever. But it's an interesting question about what started World War II. And it's true. Danzig was, was uh, after the war, the Treaty of Versailles put Danzig in Poland's control. Poland said it's, a Don, it's, it's Donsk, not Danzig. Hitler said, give it back. And you can make the argument that the war was over, the land had been taken, seized, and conquered, and that Hitler had no right to invade Poland, which he did not. And he was a genocidal psychopath. We all agree on that stuff. But it is true that Poland said no, Hitler invaded. Whether or not it's Poland's fault, <laughs> they didn't invade. Germany declared war. And we'll, we'll, we'll get some more context in here for you, John. Quick history lesson. <laughs> Years ago, for reasons nobody is really sure of. We actually are completely sure of the context here. A stereotype emerged that Polish people were inept in various ways, including, obviously, submarine manufacturing, <laughs> and even something as simple as the changing of a light bulb. I don't know actually how many Polish people you think it takes to change a light bulb, but it's certainly less than the conventional wisdom at that time would tell you. <laughs> now, we know that Polish people are as smart as anyone and certainly did not deserve to be invaded by the Germans, who, of course, accomplished that by marching in backwards, so the Poles thought they were leaving. The first thing I want to say is this is actually a known technique for sneaking into uh, venues and buildings. I'm not kidding. Security guards are looking for people facing forward. As everyone's exiting, and you have that area where it says, do not, do not enter, no entry, if you walk slowly backwards, they don't notice you're walking in because there's huge crowds of people and they're looking for people facing forward. It's actually pretty crazy, but it works. I don't recommend it, but you live your life. Um, John, do you know why there is a stereotype that Polish people are stupid? It's actually really simple because the Nazis invaded. The first thing they did and the, and the Soviets, they started killing anybody who was considered to be a subversive intellectual. And so it resulted in a brain drain in the country. This happens to a lot of countries. And it results in people thinking that many of those who fled afterwards, who were more working people and less of higher academic stature, they were like, wow, these people are really dumb. Yeah, because if you have 100 people, 20 are really dumb, 20 are really smart, and then you have 60 to varying degrees in the middle, and you kill the top 50th percentile because they're a threat to your psychotic regime, the remaining people will be of a lower average intelligence. And when they flee, you will encounter the lower average intelligence people. I'm not saying Polish people are stupid. I'm saying people saw an influx of those who survived at the time because the, 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 the Nazis were killing academics and intelligent individuals. And if you look at the history of Poland and their uh, great thinkers and inventors and stuff, it's a rich, rich history. I think it's important context considering that John Stewart is trying to explain what's going on with World War II and Tucker Carlson and all that. Well, <laughs> it's funny. Though. Marched backwards to accomplish it. I like to give you a little bit of dumb. Well, this has been an incredible primer into the delicate dance of speaking, of course, to power. Tell me, Tucker, does this masterclass include field trips? How does Russia 
have a subway station that normal people use to get to work and home every single day that's nicer than anything in our country. There's no graffiti. Mm, there's define no nicer. Filth, there's no foul smells. That's a f nice subway. That's a bad <laughs> Although, to be fair to the New York City system, uh, it was constructed in 1904 out of urinal cakes <laughs> by the great engineer it. Giuseppe Pitt. I, I, I find this fascinating. Uh, my critique of Tucker and the subway thing is that if you go to Grand Central, it's beautiful. Grand Central Station is beautiful. Now, what's interesting is that when the train's coming in, they got chandeliers above the trains and all that stuff. But you can look for really bad subway stations across Russia. But John Stewart's actually giving them some credit. It's everywhere. <laughs> but point taken, it's a very nice subway. But the subway, that's only one thing. So we thought it would be interesting to take a look at a contemporary, modern-day, 2024 Russian grocery store. Ooh. Go on. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Tucker's, I love this. Tucker's never been to Aldi. So I guess you put in 10 rubles here and you get it back when you put the cart back. So it's free, but there's an incentive to return it and not just bring it to your homeless encampment. <laughs> what? I know I've said this before. You're such a dick. <laughs> no, I didn't realize. Yo, for anybody who doesn't know, Aldi has these. Go to Aldi, I like Aldi. I shop at Aldi. Mostly go to Weiss, though. Really, truly, like, a dick. I didn't realize America's homeless problem is caused entirely by easy access to grocery carts. <laughs> I had all my stuff in my house, uh, but I didn't know I could just put it on wheels. It's so much easier. See, so I, I got I to gotta give them both credit for this one. This is, a, this is a good joke, poking fun at something Tucker said. Tucker said it mostly in jest. Uh, John Stewart's making fun of him for having said it, and I think this is, this is fun ribbing. This is the... Uh... Grocery cart escalator. This is designed, I'm figuring this out now, where the wheels don't move, they lock That's on the right. grocery cart escalator. Look, Ma, no hands. Oh, oh, okay, okay, Forrest. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't get it. I don't get why Tucker did this, and I don't get why John Stewart's bringing it up. Escalator for the grocery cart, and the doors open automatically. Oh, mother Russia. Russia is famous for its bread, which is one thing I can assess pretty well. Look at that. It's fresh, too. Look at that. Oh, come on. Mm. <laughs> I'm with John on this one, like... Tucker going to the supermarkets and all that. I'm like, bro, come on. Like, I go to Weiss and they got fresh bakery bread. I'm sure that I don't eat it. And many people have actually said celiac disease. There's a, there's a belief that it's not the gluten. It's the pesticides. And I'm inclined to believe it, but I'm a doctor, so I just don't eat it. Yeah. The guy really likes bread. Uh. You know, here's, here's what I think, because I don't even know what the point of uh, going on anymore with talking about this is. I think Jon Stewart is feeling the heat from the left. I'm glad he still criticized them. I'm glad he mostly doubled down. But it does feel like a lot of what he's going after Tucker Carlson for is just to go after Tucker Carlson. I don't really see the point. Is the literal price of freedom. 
But the goal that Carlson and his ilk are pushing is that there's really no difference between our systems. In fact, theirs might be a little bit better. The question is, why? Why is Tucker doing this? Here's why. It's because the old civilizational battle was communism versus capitalism. That's what drove the world since World War II. Russia was the enemy then. But now they think the battle is woke versus unwoke. And in that fight, Putin is an ally to the right. He's their friend. Unfortunately, he is also a brutal and ruthless dictator. And this is where Jon Stewart is wrong. To some people, yes, Vladimir Putin tries to play off this, I'm not woke. I oppose Nazis and the far left and capitalism has been great for us. And uh, for us here at Timcast, we rag on Putin all the time as a bad guy, effectively addicted. I say effectively because he plays the game, right? I won again. I won again. But the, the guy's been in power for decades. There's no real election in that country. And Navalny died in prison. I have no respect for this man and his aims. And I, I hope they lose. I hope America wins. But America is run by despotic crackpots who lie, cheat, and steal to enrich themselves with insider trading schemes in Congress and opening up the border, trying to get people to become troops. They want these non-citizens to join the military, and they try to imprison Donald Trump because he does not like them. Now, you want to make the argument that if Trump wins, the likelihood of Putin winning in Ukraine goes up? I don't care. I'm not Ukraine. I approach this from like an American populist perspective. So Play that game all you want, good sir, but you are incorrect. I can certainly respect his right to exist and his show, and I will certainly watch it. And I will watch it for the purpose of laughing because he's a funny guy, and I think Jon Stewart does a pretty good job, and criticizing him when he does do a bad job or gets things wrong. Welcome to discussion, good sir. I respect it. I want more of it. Would love to have John Stewart in the show. I've been a big fan for a long time, and I think he's doing a really great job on his, with his comeback. So now they have to make Americans a little more comfortable with that. I mean, liberty is nice, but have you seen Russia's shopping carts? <laughs> and Tucker would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling assassins. In a statement to the New York Times, Carlson said, quote, it is horrifying what happened to Navalny. The whole thing is barbaric and awful. No decent person would defend it. Correct. No decent person would. For more on... Oh, please enjoy your thought. For more on Tucker Carlson's interview with Putin, we turn to our own Michael Costa. Michael, how... And now we devolve into nonsense. No decent person would defend what they're doing, what they did to Navalny. And I think no decent person would defend what they're doing to Donald Trump. But your friend, John Stephen Colbert, argued that no one doubts. No one doubts these accusations against Trump. That's not true. They're all nonsense. Kevin O'Leary is pulling his business out of New York. A 30 year old rape accusation was thrown out. The, court, the jury said it didn't happen. They held Trump liable for some kind of impropriety, but they denied the rape claim. The judge later said when Trump tried to sue for defamation that it was substantively true. Who would defend this stuff? But I look forward to having a conversation, a discussion with Jon Stewart. Perhaps we can make this happen somehow. Jon Stewart's back in the game. He says he wants discussion. I'd love to have a discussion with him. So I will do everything in my power to see if that discussion can happen. I got to be honest. As much as Jon Stewart is critical of these progressives and these Democrats for not wanting to have conversations, I'd be willing to bet a substantial amount of money Jon Stewart himself would also not want to have a conversation. 
but I'm still going to watch the guy because we are the discussion side of things, aren't we? Democracy survives when we share ideas and the best ideas win. So how about that? Democrats, I'm happy to see you whinging and whining and you don't like Jon Stewart. Keep pushing him because we'll take him. I think he's a funny guy. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. Back in October, Fox Business ran a story. New data reveals a crash not seen since the Great Depression could hit in 2024. If the White House and Congress don't cut spending soon, the results could be catastrophic. And the funny thing about this article being from October is that the U.S. stock market quotes on the right side are actually current. I do think it's pretty funny whenever this story is from. You've got uh, Dow Jones, Future, NASDAQ. Actually, everything's kind of up since then. But there is still an argument to be made that we could be looking at something catastrophic in 2024. And if it does happen, probably means Donald Trump is going to win. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Now, at the same time, you do have articles that are coming out around now saying, actually, things are better than ever. It's hard to know exactly what to believe. Is the old speculation correct? Could there be some kind of crash or is everything just going to be smooth sailing from here? Well, how about we jump over to this video? Posted by Quiver Quantitative and take a look at recent stock trades by Congress that have caught their attention. Now, it's not evidence. Or I should say it's not proof, but it is evidence, right? This is there's a distinction. The fact that there are members of Congress dumping stock and elites and other billionaires are dumping stock does not prove the crash is coming. But it certainly does suggest that people who know things are taking those precautions or acting as though it's going to. I'm going to play you this video, but I want to point out. If you made the same trades as Nancy Pelosi, you've made a lot of money in this past year. Let's take a look at this video. If it plays. Senator Tupperville just dumped a huge amount of his portfolio this month, and I mean huge. To put it into perspective, out of the 61 trades he made over the last month, 59 of them were sales. The other two were purchases of put contracts, which if you don't know, is a way to bet against the stock. The reason I'm telling you this is because Tupperville isn't just your regular congressman. When it comes to trading, he has one of the best records in Congress right next to Nancy Pelosi. And maybe one of the reasons behind this performance is the crazy amount of Senate committees that he's on. There's too many to read, so you can pause and take a screenshot if you want. But it's safe to say, with the amount of privileged info he gets from sitting on all these committees, you definitely want to pay attention to his trades. Now, here's the weird part. Whenever you see a lot of bulk buying or selling by a lawmaker, you typically see some sort of trend. For instance, they could be selling financial stocks or buying energy stocks. But with the Tupperville trades here, I don't see any rhyme or reason to it. He's selling everything from automobile companies like Ferrari, semiconductor stocks like AMD, regional banks like Southern State, and I could go on and on. But here's the catch, though. As if Tupperville selling all these stocks isn't a bad enough sign, this week specifically, we've seen some of the richest people in the world selling billions in stocks. In February alone, Jeff Bezos sold 33 million shares of Amazon, which at $170 each comes out to $5.6 billion. Mark Zuckerberg, same story, 900,000 shares of Meta for $416 million. And the list goes on. My point is, when selling like this is going on by the world's richest and most powerful people, it makes you wonder if they know something that we don't. To see any of the data mentioned in this video, I'm at a website called QuiverQuant where you can track it all for free. And would love for you to check it out when you get the chance. And as always, thanks for watching. The answer is, <clears throat> my friends, they do know something you don't. They know a lot of things you don't. And I think that uh, you're probably in a good position if you take your financial advice from the financial experts. Pause. And I will just say 
Seems like these people maybe. Now, I don't want to give any financial advice. I'm not telling you what you should do with your money. I'm just saying I see all these stories where people are like, I'm going to sell or buy when Pelosi or others sell or buy, and they make money. So now to see Bezos, Zuckerberg, to see them all selling this stuff off, it makes you wonder about what they expect to happen. Does this mean, does this mean they would rather have U.S. dollars? I wonder. Ethereum, a cryptocurrency, is doing really well today. Bitcoin is way up. And I wonder if many of these individuals, they're not just selling these stocks, but what else are they buying you can't track? If these powerful elites sold off tons of uh, their stock and put it into cash, I don't see that as quite necessarily making a lot of sense for them to hold on to that cash. What would they do with it? I'm also wondering, $5.6 billion, where do you put all that? I have to wonder. Maybe they've bought crypto. I mean, it's a maybe. I mean, they, they probably hold a decent amount. But where are they putting that money? Is the idea that the market is going to crash so they'd, they'd rather have liquid cash? I don't think that's a good investment either because of inflation. They'd want to buy gold or something. Maybe it's something you can't track. Quiver Quantitative also posted this. It's weird that there hasn't been media coverage of this. Two months ago, I reported on a suspicious trade notice from a U.S. congressman. Representative Michael Guest bought stock in a company called Evolution Gaming. Since then, the stock is up over 36%, another 4% today. It's an online casino company, and this guy is the chair is the, of the House Ethics Committee. Matt Gates says chairman of ethics committee cashes in on online gambling stock. Congressional stock trading should be illegal. For chairman guest, it's just another day at the office. I highlight this one because certainly people are concerned about it, but it shows you. These people don't make blind bets. They're not gambling. They know exactly what is going to happen. So I wonder. I'll tell you what I think. I think there is a strong possibility of a market crash. I don't know exactly how you counter that. I have no idea. Maybe you do what Tuberville did. I'm not going to give you any advice, but he's taking put options and he's selling, betting on stocks to fall. Maybe. I think there's going to be a war. I mean, there is a war already, but now you've got this, this bill being put through Congress, the Courage to Serve Act to get non-citizens to fight in the U.S. armed forces. And if they do, they'll be granted citizenship. So what happens? You will get cannon fodder for a war in Eastern Europe. You will get some kind of NATO or UN defense force. All these millions that have flooded the southern border, military age males, they call them. They're going to sign up or they're going to be enlisted. They're going to be forced in. They're going to be drafted, basically. They get these apartments. Government comes to them and says, you have an option. Join the military or GTFO. And they're probably mostly going to just join. In fact, they may, not, may, they may not even get an option. Who knows? I think it's most likely they're going to say, no, we'll give you all this free stuff. Just join up. Then they get sent overseas to Eastern Europe. And I joked about that before. Take all the illegal immigrants, send them to Ukraine. They can fight that war. And that may be the strategy they engage in. Now, I don't know for sure. But I can tell you, certainly smarter people or more informed people than I, I don't know if they're smarter, but more informed are making bets the market will crash. War seems to make the most sense. War breaks out, the market becomes depressed, and they've made their bets in other places. We know that many of these people have made a pretty penny off investing in the publicly traded stocks of the military industrial complex, these large weapons manufacturers and defense contractors. So maybe that's the play. 
The reason I think that maybe, and I don't know that it is, I'm just saying maybe, for one, we're seeing the evidence with those making these sales. I'm curious to see if they're making purchases in other areas, which could indicate defense contracting. But if, the, if the, a war breaks out, I'm not so sure the defense contractors make a lot of money either. What I mean is, yeah, they'll get contracts, they'll you know, get stocks, but the value of the dollar may drop so much the stocks just decline in value. People just aren't trading, volume dries up, and then the prices start falling. Maybe. I don't know. What I do know is that the neocon, neoliberal, uniparty establishment wants war. And if Donald Trump gets elected, they're not going to get it. Right now, there's war in Ukraine and Russia, everyone knows. And if Donald Trump, Trump gets elected, he's going to push for peace. Now, we've already been warned that with this Ukraine funding bill they're trying to ram through the House, it would lock up this funding into September of next year, meaning Donald Trump as president, if he tried to negotiate to stop the war in Ukraine with Russia, and Russia said, then we want to see the funding stopped. If Trump tried to block that funding, they would impeach him. I think there's a strong possibility war will be their play. It will cause economic damage, and they're doing it because they want to force Trump to be in war. Trump's the first president in my lifetime who did not start a foreign war. As soon as Joe Biden gets in, here we go, baby. Ramping up our efforts, deployments into Syria. Now we've got issues in the Red Sea. Now we've got Israel. Uh, uh, did I mention that already? Um, no, I didn't. Yeah, we, got, we got Israel ramping up U.S. support for Israel, Taiwan, and Ukraine. And of course, the U.S. is absolutely involved in the war in Ukraine. It will be, and it should be, several, at least one serious major U.S. mobilization for war. Otherwise, what, Joe Biden didn't start a new one? He just exacerbated the existing ones. Even Obama started wars. Libya, Syria. If that happens, the market takes a hit. The question is, what does that mean for you? It means Trump could win. But looking at some of the latest polls, it shows even Gavin Newsom can't win. That's right. Gavin Newsom's polling worse than Joe Biden against Trump. So maybe the bet they have right now is, okay, Trump's going to win this one, but let's lock him into a war. So they don't care that a failing economy will actually help Trump because it will mean they get their war that Trump can't stop. So we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. Kevin O'Leary's been on a tear over what's happening in New York City. A judge fined Donald Trump $355 million, just about. And he's asked, but it's fraud. And O'Leary says, what fraud? Here are the important details. Most of you know this. The suit against Donald Trump was not brought by any businesses, was not brought by anybody who was damaged or defrauded. It was brought by the state. Donald Trump did not commit fraud. They are claiming it is fraud to evaluate your own asset. Now, I've talked about Kevin O'Leary and what this means. But Patrick Bet David has a tweet up where he breaks down the lawsuits against Trump, the risks of the partisan courts. It made me realize. I think people are focused on the wrong thing. Kevin O'Leary says, who's going to want to invest in New York City now? You're right, nobody. The precedent being set here is not just to go after Donald Trump. Much like the gender pay gap, the precedent is not to make some spurious claim about sexism in the workplace. With the gender pay gap argument, what was the real world implication? In San Francisco, several businesses, large ones, announced they would no longer allow negotiations. That's right. Well, one of the reasons men get paid more than women is because men are more likely to negotiate. So ban negotiating. 
The job pays 100K. Take it or leave it. All this does is cut off a tall grass. But what's the end result? Every job that we announce will have a flat rate. There will never be a I'm better at the job, so I deserve more. No. Communism. What about New York? Trump committed fraud, they said. Does this mean people aren't going to want to invest in New York? No. It means in the future, the government will decide the value of your asset, not you. You will not be allowed to determine whether something is worth selling for a certain price or not. Whether something is worth uses collect. No, the government must decide. Let me play this clip so you can hear a bit of what Kevin O'Leary had to say. Wouldn't there be many companies who would not want to do business or loan money to people like yourself or investors if they know that they can get away with fraud and there's no recourse to protect them? Excuse me, what fraud? I don't, I, this is not about Trump anymore. When you I know. get a developer, when you get a developer that builds a building and he says it's worth $400 million and he wants to borrow $200 million from a bank, which happens every day, everywhere on earth, including every American city, every developer is an entrepreneur. They shine the light on their building and they say it's worth 400. The bank does its own due diligence, as was done in this case, because they're very good at it. The banks are very good. And they say, no, it's worth 300. We're only going to loan you 150 million. That haggling has gone on for decades. That's how it works. And then in this case, even the bank that was supposedly defrauded testified and said, we didn't lose anything. We want to do business with this guy again. We'd like to. But the judge said, no, 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 no. Let's penalize this developer for 355 million. And we're going to do that. Let's penalize all the developers all across America. So let's pause right there. That's an important distinction. Donald Trump did not get a trial. I know I know I'm rehashing this, but uh, you may have seen it. A lot of people don't know the details and these details are very important. Please share this for people who don't know. Donald Trump didn't have a fraud trial. The judge ruled summarily, meaning when the state filed a claim saying Trump committed fraud. The judge banged the gavel and said, yes, he did. No trial. Then now we'll have a trial to determine damages. But nobody was damaged. Nobody lost money. Where's the fine going? The state is seizing Trump's money. We have this tweet from Patrick Bet David. He says, let's do some math. President Trump has been ordered to pay 83.3 and 354 million. Let's, uh, you know, estimate that it could be 437, maybe even another 100 with interest. His net worth is 2 to 2.6 billion. So it's 21 to 27% of his net worth. Experts have said Trump also has 600 to 700 million in cash. Trump says 400. This may seem like a lot to the average person, but it's not when you're being asked to pay 537 million in damages and interest. Well, he shouldn't say five, he should say four because he said before interest was the 100 million. Doesn't include legal fees. He goes on to say, love him or hate him. Here's what it means. 30 years from now, a woman can come out and falsely claim allegations against you. And if the judge hates your politics, they will believe her and make up any number to destroy your life savings. Full stop. The judge in this case has a mental, uh, I believe, based on my viewing of him, he has some sort of psychotic derangement of his brain. I'm not a doctor. And so it doesn't mean much. But there's clearly something wrong with this guy. Maybe he's too old and he doesn't, his brain doesn't work the way it used to. Maybe. So Donald Trump is accused. And this guy, it's not that the judge hates his politics and believes her. The judge doesn't care whether she's telling the truth or not. He's like, I can do 
whatever I want as a judge and I can take from you. And so that's what he did. If you build your wealth through real estate and pay back all your commitments to the banks, buyers and sellers, a judge who hates your politics could make up any number to deplete your life savings and prevent you from doing business, as we've seen. He says, so what does this do to capitalists and those with aspirations to run in the future? Scares the crap out of future candidates, eliminates one's family from supporting you, distance family members, make the candidate rethink why they're even running. He says, or at least, last but not least, it could energize a new generation to fight like hell. Hmm. I think this play, he says, what is freedom to you? The most important question uh, one has to ask, the future looks bright. The play here that I see is communism. You will not be able to evaluate your own buildings. You will not be able to evaluate your own pay rate. Only the authority can decide what you're worth when you're worth it. So what's that mean? Cut off, the, cut off the tall grass, homogenize all the jobs. And now we will simplify the economy into a caste system. Are you an intellectual worker, white collar? Then you get 100,000. Are you a blue collar worker? Well, you get 50,000. Are you an executive? You get 500,000. Are you an elite politician, CEO, whatever? Well, at that point, we'll figure it out. But Donald Trump is outside the system. He is not part of their petty cabal. And so they are setting precedent with him. I'll play more from this clip with Kevin O'Leary. They've all done the same thing. All of them should go to jail and we should stop building buildings. That's what the message is from New York. Even the governor herself is concerned about what this looks like to investors all around the world. It's not just U.S. domestic. All well, around the world, people are talking about what happened here. You really think people want to invest money in New York after this? How about we go well, somewhere I, I else? Think, how, I think how there are to... people who would, I don't want to cut you off, but I, I want to. We'll, we'll skip this next part of their banter, which makes no sense and is needless. It's included as those who have a lot more money. Is there any weight to that for you? Well, I ask you who lost money and I make it even clearer. You and I, we're developing a data center together. And I he basically says, if you and I are going to make an investment, why would we choose choose New York? The risk is too great. And shouldn't they ask for better management so they don't become a flyover state? Remember, New York has the highest taxes in the country, the worst regulatory environment, and it's incredibly mismanaged. And I'm pointing out now on top of that, you get this insanity, a, a victimless crime. And forget about Trump. It's not about Trump. I don't care about Trump in this. I care about America and I care about entrepreneurship and I care about democracy and the fairness the judicial system is now being criticized. People are asking themselves, the bar of New York, is this judge rational to charge $355 million in a case where no one lost any money? And that was the point I was making. I think the judge is mentally, I don't know what the right word is. I think he, he needs to be diagnosed. I think he needs to go, you think I'm joking? No, I think he needs to get an evaluation. They, I, I'd imagine any honest medical practitioner sitting down with someone, maybe like a psychiatrist, a psychiatrist maybe, would be like this person suffering from paranoid delusions. They can't make sense of what's real. And that's what we're seeing right Is now. Is that good for the people of New York? Should the people of New York wake up to this and say, what's happening to us? Why is this becoming so perverse? Why are we the focus of this injustice? 
I'm, I have nothing to do with Trump. I'm not supporting Trump. I'm supporting American entrepreneurship. And New York is slowly becoming the number one loser state in America. Slowly becoming. It's been, uh, I don't know. I don't know if slowly becoming. You know what I see with Kevin O'Leary? He's right, of course. He makes some great points, but he doesn't pay attention to the bigger picture. So I find truly fascinating. These far leftists and all those say, go touch grass. I'd actually argue this through sheer arrogance. I believe that those of us here at Timcast actually have a higher, a more broad view of politics, economics, and history than the average person. We had, uh, you know, I won't call anybody out specifically, but we've had people call in. We've had people talk to us. We've had guests. And they like to believe that their world is the center of what's happening. I'll give you an example. I remember seeing a speech by a prominent conservative saying the fight that we are facing in this culture war is globalism versus nationalism. I've seen another person say it's authoritarianism versus libertarianism. I've seen some people say it is Christianity versus secularism. And I'm just like each and every person to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. They perceive what is happening through the lens of their bubble. They then argue no one else truly understands what's happening. I think it's fair to say there's a lot of things I don't understand. And there's a lot of things that I view through my lens. But I do believe, and I would say this with sheer arrogance, that I, as well as the others who are on Timcast IRL, have a broader view on average or a broader view than most people perceiving this. Kevin O'Leary says, look what they're doing. He does not factor in. All the other lawsuits against Trump are as bunk and as fake as this one. All of them. But to him, he lives in a real estate world. That's what he sees. What's going on? People believe they know the origins of wokeness and where it comes from, but they insist it's their universe. The academic professors who I've debated say it started in academia. People in politics might argue that it started in politics, started in finance. I believe that the roots of the ideology that we're seeing right now in wokeness did not originate in universities, but existed in universities alongside many other ideologies. I believe that it is based on social pressures pertaining to civil rights and social media algorithms. It exacerbated this particular ideology, which is rather amorphous. That is not my world. It is not my bubble. I think I have blind spots. I think we all do. But I think looking at the bigger picture, the end result doesn't need to be intentional on the part of any of these individuals. The machine is churning away towards communism. And Donald Trump's verdict is a key component of that. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 8 p.m. tonight at youtube.com slash Thanks for hanging out and we'll see you all then.